Thanks for tuning in to Farmer Theologian, a podcast designed to help you build deeply rooted practical theology. Let's get to work. All right, friends, welcome to a new episode of Farmer Theologian. Two weeks in a row, we are getting back into a rhythm here on the podcast. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your support. Thank you for all the feedback. Uh, If you could, if you have not already, go ahead and give us a rating and a review on the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, That really helps the content uh, be put before the eyes and ears of others. And so I would be glad for you to do that. would be a great help to the show. Today we are going to return to the sort of mini-series we've been doing on the main points of doctrine. Now, as I've mentioned, every time we've done this, we're we're taking kind of the main key categories or disciplines of doctrinal study, and we're just highlighting the main points. They're not meant to be an exhaustive study, but to give you a good foundational understanding of theology and hopefully to uh, cause you to want to dive in more to studying these amazing doctrines. I was reminded this weekend doing a Q&A with my friend Dr. Peter Gaiman, whose podcast you should go listen to. In fact, I would not be upset if you stopped listening to this one and went to listen to his podcast. It's called the Bible Sojourner Podcast. He is an excellent scholar, um, a very thorough thinker, and I'll just put in a little plug for his podcast. Again, that's the Bible Sojourner Podcast. But I had the blessing of spending some time with Peter this past weekend as he came to preach at our church and to do a Q&A and was just reminded that we have so much time. We feel the urgency of study and we always feel like we want to study as much as we can right now, but we also have the joy of knowing we have our whole lives to study God. And so this will hopefully spur you on to study these doctrines more and more and more as you're intrigued and understanding just the main points. Well, as we continue on in our series, we're going to look today at the doctrine of soteriology or the doctrine of salvation. And I wanted to read one passage from Scripture as we begin that will highlight and will reveal many of these doctrines, of course, uh, as we're covering the main points in trying to be somewhat thorough. We're going to cover uh, things that are collated from other places in Scripture. But I do think Ephesians chapter 1, specifically verses 3 through 14, give us a great bit of information about this glorious truth that we know as salvation or this glorious doctrine that we refer to as soteriology. So I wanted to begin this episode by reading that passage. And I'm sure you've heard, if you've been in the church long, this is all one glorious run-on sentence in Paul's original writing. It is so, so rich with theological truth. So Follow along with me in your Bible if you can. If you are driving or doing something else while listening to this, let me encourage you just take a note to yourself or mark down. You want to read this passage later. Uh, spend some time meditating on this truth. These 11 verses are the best thing you're going to hear on this podcast. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, 
which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in the the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. What amazing truth is in this passage. So much glorious truth in here. Now, you've probably heard this passage taught many times in many ways, referred to. Many Christians are familiar with it. And the common way that theologians kind of outline this passage or break down this passage as it talks about in totality the doctrine of soteriology or our salvation is to say that it's planned by the Father, accomplished by the Son, and applied by the Spirit. You probably heard those breakdowns, and that shows us that our salvation is a Trinitarian work. Soteriology is very much a Trinitarian doctrine. All members of the Godhead are active in salvation, in our salvation. And so it should lead us to, as this passage ends, to the praise of his glory. It should lead us to give him all glory. So what are some main points we can highlight out of this passage and understanding what scripture teaches on salvation? Well, I'm going to give you four kind of points. First, a definition of salvation. Second, a summary statement of the plan, a summary statement of the accomplishment, and then fourth, and a summary statement of application. So first, soteriology defined. Salvation, distinct from God's common grace, is the particular application of God's efficacious saving grace through faith to the elect for the glory of God. That is the most succinct way I could put it, friend. I'm sure somebody else smarter could put it better, but I think it's important to highlight these points. Salvation, or God's saving grace to us, is distinct from his common grace. There are God's common beneficent graces to the world. He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He upholds all things by the power of his hand. He he tells the oceans every day where to stop. This is a gracious act of God showing benevolence to all of his image bearers. But salvation, his special grace that is shown in salvation, is distinct from that common grace. It is the particular application of God's efficacious saving grace. And pick those words. It is effective and it is saving. And that is applied to believers through faith and it is applied for the glory of God. So you might see in there, I tried to work it in there without just going with the solas, but it it is truly a summary of the solas. We understand what we understand about salvation based on the scripture's soul authority alone. And when we understand what scripture has to teach about salvation, we understand that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That is uh, essential truth that men and women of the faith have fought and died for for centuries. And so we dare not stray from those things. Well, if we understand salvation and or define salvation, Let's talk about how it's planned. And this is what we get from Ephesians chapter 1, 
where it talks about how he's blessed us with all blessings in the heavenly places. And he gives us a lot of language here, friends. And if you're if your Calvinist alarms are going off, well, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> this is the plain teaching of Scripture. The plan of salvation is the Father's plan. It is all his doing. So what do we say about the plan? I've come up with this summary statement. Salvation occurs according to God's sovereign decree as he chose in eternity past to put his saving love and grace upon the elect, as well as to not put that saving love and grace upon the reprobate. There we see election or predestination, and we see that God has predestined some to have his love put upon us, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. That's Ephesians 1.4. God chose in eternity past to put his saving love and grace upon the elect. And that necessarily means that he also chose to not put that saving love and grace upon the reprobate. So we don't, I wouldn't hold to double predestination in equal measure, equal means, but God did choose to put his love and saving grace upon the elect, and therefore he necessarily chose not or to pass over putting that love upon the reprobate. Well, what about accomplishment? How do we understand the accomplishment of our salvation? This is the best summary statement I've come up with. Salvation is accomplished for the elect on the basis of Christ's atoning sacrifice, a sacrifice in which Jesus serves as the sinner's substitute and accomplishes the sinner's pardon from sin, reconciliation with God, justification, and fitness for eternal life. On the basis of Christ's sacrifice as our substitute for all who are have put their faith in him, Christ is our substitute. And by virtue of being the perfect substitute, having fulfilled all the law's demands, lived a perfect life, he can serve as a perfect substitute in our place, and that accomplishes our pardon from sin, our reconciliation with God, that is, we are no longer at enmity with God. Uh, Romans tells us that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us, so he has made peace. He has brought reconciliation with God through that. Our justification, where we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us through faith, and our fitness for eternal life. We will stand before God fit for eternal life, not because of anything that we have done, but because we have the righteousness of Christ credited to our account through faith. That is all accomplished in Christ's substitutionary sacrifice for us on the cross. Last thing, we talk about application. So if we have the plan, or you might say uh, a plan by the Father accomplished in the Son, here's what we have for application. Salvation is applied to the elect when they hear the external call of the gospel and the Holy Spirit affects an internal call, regenerates the heart, grants faith, unites the believer with Christ, and seals the believer's eternal inheritance. Oh, what a mouthful that is there, but it's so much glorious truth, friend. We have to hear the gospel. We have to hear that external call. How will they believe what they have not heard, Romans 10 says. So we hear that external call, and as we hear that external call, the Holy Spirit affects in us an internal call. He gives us a new heart. He regenerates us, takes out our heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh in which we respond in faith to God. And in that, he unites the believer to Christ and seals the believer's eternal inheritance. We have 
him given to us as a pledge of our inheritance, as it says in Ephesians 1.14. This is glorious, glorious truth, friend. So if we want to sum this up real s- simply, we would say on the basis of Ephesians 1 in particular, but in the coalition of Scripture's teachings on this topic, Scripture is worked out according to the plan of God established in eternity past. It is accomplished through the sacrifice of His Son as our substitute on the cross, and it is applied to us by the Holy Spirit when He regenerates us and gives us new life in which we respond in faith and repentance and are sealed for eternity. What glorious truth this is, friends. Now listen, I know, and as I admitted at the beginning, to sum up the teaching of soteriology in a short podcast is simply impossible. But I hope that you, having heard this, being reminded of these truths, one, are led to simply praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for saving you. Two, I pray that this leads you to evangelism, to tell others about this great salvation that you know. Because as I mentioned earlier, they will not believe what they have not heard. So open your mouth and tell them to your friends. And then three, I pray this causes you to keep studying deeper, to long to know more of this glorious truth, this glorious salvation that we have in Christ. And for that, I would recommend to you, there's a great podcast called Men of the Word. It's the men's ministry of Grace Community Church in LA. It's led by Brad Clausen. He has an older series, I think from 2019, on these doctrines of salvation where he took 23 sermons to cover the different doctrines of salvation. So where this podcast is very introductory, that podcast series is a deep dive into the doctrine of salvation. So I would very much recommend it to you. I think it's called His Mercies or His Glorious Mercies. It's from 2019, uh, Men of the Word podcast. I would highly recommend that to you. All right, friends, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Pharma Theologian. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. I pray that it continues to be a blessing and encouragement to you as we all seek to build deeply rooted practical theology.